I was on retreat a couple of weeks ago. I went out to the desert uh, to Joshua Tree for ten days. I went for nine days. I did. I didn't. I had to leave a little bit early. Um, so I was out at this retreat with um, uh, one of my old teachers. It was. It's at this place called Damadina. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Damadina. It was. It's started by this woman Ruth Dennison. I don't know if any of you have heard of Ruth Dennison. She was this. She died a few years ago. I think she was close to 90, but she studied in Burma many, many years ago with Goenka. She didn't study, she was, she didn't study under Goenka. Some of you have heard of Goenka. He's the guy who has the 10 day Vipassana retreats. She's, he and she both studied under this Burmese master, Uba Kim. And she came back and she um, taught out here and then she got like a house in the desert and Joshua tree in the middle of nowhere. And then she got a neighbor's house and there's some trailers. And so it's a very rustic experience. There's bathhouses and, um, and uh, not porta potties, but outhouses and kinds. Of, so it's like nice and rustic. But so I was really looking forward to going out there. And um, the, the senior teacher, there were four teachers, and the senior teacher is this woman, Arena Weissman, who's a senior student of Ruth's. And I worked with her for a number of years, and so I was—I hadn't, I haven't worked with her for a while. So I was really excited to get back and sit with her. And <clears throat> there was a theme to this retreat, and this retreat was out of the ordinary. It was called dismantling oppression. Kind of reminded me of the day long on Sunday. I felt like that was a continuation of the retreat I was on, and it was looking at—we looked at. Um, we looked at classism and racism and um, sexism and heterosexism and anti-Semitism and, and ableism and ageism and, and all the things that people are, all the target groups that people are targeted by. It was really a lot of content, but then there was a lot of sitting practice too. And um, it, but it was held in the container of Buddhist teaching which is not normally what you get. Um, and so I really appreciated it, and I was really taken by how much I have been influenced by Irina. I didn't realize that. I mean, I worked with her for years, but listening to her, I'm like, oh, yeah. So her teachings um, uh, really fit with uh, or really kind of I resonate with them a lot. And so I just wanted to talk about that. Not that we're going to talk about dismantling oppression, although we were, uh, Joanna Hardy had a day long on Sunday for the People of Color and Allies group as a day long, and we talked about oppression and where are you feeling targeted, and I'm like, here I go again, and I think it was really, uh, this retreat was really interesting um, because what we talked about, it's not just, I mean, it fits in everyday life, and it, it almost sounds a little simplistic how you roll things out and look at things, but for me it makes a lot of sense. And by that, um, we talked about uh, these, there's these two categories. I don't even want to call them categories. There's just, just kind of two ways of, of being in the world. There's always two, right? There's never three. There's always, there's two kinds of people in the world. So there's two kinds of people in the world. There's people who are either, um, who are kind of lost in the the uh, greed, hatred, and delusion of you know what the Buddha talked about. This, 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 the, 
lots of dust in their eyes. And, and, and Irina talked about how it falling under the category of ignorance, just not seeing clearly, not having this wise understanding. And then there are the folks who are in this place of really trying to cultivate these beautiful qualities. Of, and I, and they're familiar qualities of, of generosity and compassion and patience and virtue, integrity and, and loving kindness and truthfulness, equanimity, um, uh, joy, wisdom, mindfulness, which underlays all of this, these teachings. So it was really an interesting, um, interesting journey of, of looking at that because Ignorance is the other side of the coin, and under ignorance is everything that's not these beautiful qualities. Um, there's the greed, the hatred, aggression, judgment, shaming, belittling, blaming, demeaning, dismissiveness, division among people when you there's this separation, we, we differ us and them because there's this differentiation. Profit, that's the greed, the craving, the abuse of power the inferiority and the superiority, you know, the, the creation of that. Um, and the hindrances are under there. They're driven by aversion. They're driven by greed, this delusion, this dullness. This dullness is this checking out. You know, that's, that's ignorance, this not seeing, not wanting to see. And then doubt. So all of these teachings of the Buddha fall of ignorance. That's where all the harming comes from. And if you look, if you really take a look at these um, people who are causing this gross harm around the world, both you know politically in in our country, the systemic racism, sexism, classism, ism, 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 um, all the all the types of oppression that have gone on for millennia. It's all driven by this ignorance, this greed, this anger, this hatred, this wanting what I want when I want it, this driven by power, thinking that if you get enough power, then you'll have whatever it is you want to have. And that's it. And you can look at that both in the big sphere and in, in your own small, you know, your, your interpersonal relationships. Even, even when I, I have harmed people in my life, and when I have harmed them, it's because I was working from ignorance, I was working from fear, I was working from wanting to, not maliciousness, not everybody works from maliciousness, but fear that I wasn't going to get what I needed. Not that I even knew what I needed, but that I was trying to make sure I was taken care of in the best way I knew how, which was to make sure you liked me or you gave me what I wanted or I got what I thought I wanted. So we're driven by this, this, um, this craving, this, this, this need for whatever it is we think we need based on, our, based on our conditioning, based on our world, based on our worldview, based on our ideas, based on how we see things. And if the, 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 the invitation in this is to stop and look at what is driving you. And if it's causing harm to you or to others. And to perhaps move in a direction where you begin to cultivate these beautiful qualities. 
which I love the term beautiful qualities. It's so nice. It's, and the first one is faith. You know, trusting that this shit is going to work. Trusting that this is just not like, you know, flowers and lollipops and rainbows, but it actually has a grounding in um, wisdom. And I've been, I keep saying, I'm talking about going to these nonviolence workshops that, you know, you don't want to become the people you're working, uh, you know, working against or uh, fighting is a harsh word, but if people are causing harm, you don't want to become them. You don't want to pick up the same practices that they have. You want to operate on a different level. You know, what is Michelle Obama said? When they go low, we go high. You know, that's actually really some profound wisdom right there. But how easy is it to go low? I mean, we live in a world of, you know, um, how can I zing you? Social media is, is ripe with that. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's, it's pretty much, you know, we, we're, we're the one-offs, the sound bites, the gotchas. And I, that doesn't end well. It doesn't end well because underlying it's driven by that it's driven by the, the ignorance, not seeing clearly that you're causing harm. Psychic harm, you're perpetuating these cycles of oppression in what way, however, you do it. I mean, what we did each day on this retreat, we brainstormed, you know, what does racism look like or what does white privilege look like or we brainstormed what does is, what is sexism look like or we brainstormed what does um, um, heterosexism look like, which is a, a different way of saying homophobia because phobia means an irrational fear so it can be classed as a mental illness. So instead of saying, no, it's not phobia, it's actually heterosexism, you know, it's like, a preference for heterosexuality rather than homosexuality or queerness or anything like that. So um, that's what I mean when I say heterosexism. And so what, are, what does it look like when these things are happening? And so it's a beginning to see clearly, oh, this is what this stuff looks like. Because if we're just walking around, we may not even see how we're perpetuating. And we invest to bring it down to our own lives, even like with our relationships with our with our with our our peers, our coworkers, our friends, our family. You know, am I stuck in ideas of how you're supposed to behave? I'm going to spend, um, I think, a week with my um, my sister-in-law over the over the holidays in, in December. She called me and asked me if I'd travel with her. Um, she doesn't want to travel alone. She gets vertigo and stuff when she flies, and so I'm going to travel with her. But then I'm like, oh, that means I have to spend a lot of time with her. So how do I show up in a way that's kind and loving and not, you know, so that um, we don't have screaming matches? Not that we do, because I don't. She lives on the East Coast, so I don't spend a lot of time with her. About a week is about max any more than that and it's like and and we're not I'm not with her all the time but this is like I'm gonna be with her all the time so it's like okay how do I show up with these beautiful qualities even though I can see her ignorance I can see her ignorance 
ignorance. You know, we can see others' ignorance. We can see others. And when by ignorance, I don't mean stupidity or non-intelligence. I mean this clouded, this cloudedness, this being caught up in this craving, this greed, this aversion, this, this delusion, that type of ignorance. How I can see where she gets lost sometimes. And her fear, she has a lot of fear. And it causes her to behave in certain ways, say certain things, do certain things. And so how do I hold her in compassion? How do I hold her with that compassion? And that's the challenge. That's the struggle. That's the challenge that the Buddha says you need to, you need to take up. You need to, there's no other way but that. You know, I, um, one of the uh, other teachers on, uh, on, the, on the retreat was a, 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 a man, and he was um, mixed race. And he was talking. He gave a talk one night. And he was talking about his experiences, about being stopped by cops, getting arrested for doing Tai Chi in the park after dark. You know, that, that, that ignorance, that perpetuation of this ignorance of, of the, black, the black body, the black man as a dangerous person, you know, and arresting them for doing Tai Chi in the park after dark. Because, um, yeah, why not, right? And so... And I asked him, and he talked about developing these beautiful qualities. He was like the um, poster child for equanimity. He had this amazing equanimity, this balance, this ability to take what was, what was being thrown at him. Um, and I asked him the question that I get a lot. How does it, um, <clears throat> how do you not become a doormat if you cultivate these beautiful qualities because that's what people are afraid is going to happen. If I cultivate compassion and I come from a place of, 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 of uh, not wanting to cause harm, not you know getting revenge or not um, making sure that they get theirs in, a, in that kind of gotcha way, how do you not become a doormat? And I wish I could remember exactly what he was talking about, but he says, you know, when I rest in these qualities, they can't hurt me. And I feel the same way. It's not that they can't kill you or harm you, but they can't cause psychic damage internally because I'm coming from this, this really solid grounding in this foundation and this real belief. If you've ever had that moment of where you're resting in integrity, you're having a conversation with someone that might be difficult or you're doing something that needs to be done that might be difficult. But if you are solid in your integrity, in your wisdom, in your clarity, that you are doing what needs to be done, there's really... Um, the strength that comes from that. I mean, I've had that experience. And so it's like, that's why I cultivate these things, because I believe 100% in these teachings, in the Eightfold Path and in the Paramis. And because and, I believe it, it's, it's had a profound impact on my life. And I see the difference it has had in other people's lives. So I'm willing, I have that faith to keep moving in that direction. And I'm not a doormat. I am much less of a doormat than I've ever been. I was much more of a doormat when I was operating out of fear because I was afraid. If I do something that pisses you off, then you're going to do something that 
going to cause me not to get what I need. <clears throat> so it's actually, it's, it's again, counterintuitive. So is uh, uh, um, a really strong, um, you know, a strong uh, argument for operating in this realm and cultivating these qualities. Um, there's another conversation about, uh, you know, anger. There's a lot of anger these days, which makes perfect sense. But how do you hold these emotions that arise? And you make space for anger. You make space for that stuff, but you don't let it take over. You acknowledge it and you hold it. There was another, there was one of the other teachers, there were four teachers, one of the other teachers has, um, has practiced with Thich Nhat Hanh for 40 years. So it was really lovely to have her her wisdom, her Thich Nhat Hanh channeling in the room. And she says, you just hold it like a little baby. You just hold, and, and she talked about the seeds of consciousness, which is a teaching of his that I love. This stuff is in there, and it's gonna arise because of the when the when the conditions are right we can't help it so we hold it you know we hold the anger but we don't let it consume us it's like the buddha says picking up anger is like picking up a hot coal it just burns us so you don't want to carry that around you can have the anger but don't operate from it it's not wise you can have this 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 notice that you're craving you're craving you know, whatever, or you feel the fear, but can you, can you respond from a place of these other, these, these beneficial, beautiful qualities rather than this place of, of um, anger or fear? And it takes time. It's not like overnight, but it takes time. There's, um, but it's, <laughs> the Buddha says you need to, the need to do it. I just picked up a heavy book. For those of you listening on the podcast, that was me picking up a very heavy book from the floor. But he talks about, um, you know, there's this one sutta that I absolutely love and in talking about um, uh, why we have to do this. What is the underlying reason why we want to develop these um, beautiful qualities, and it's a teaching about the equality of all beings and why we don't want to cause harm or we don't want to take a life. And in, in, in the, you know, this king was, King Pasanati was asking his wife who she holds most dear in her life, and she says, I'm most dear to me. And she says to him, what about you? And he goes, yeah, I'm most dear to me. And then the king later that afternoon was talking to the Buddha and he told the Buddha the story and the Buddha said, yeah. And he said, I, and the Buddha says, I visited all quarters with my mind. And that's how they talk about the world, you know, the northeast, southwest, all quarters. I visited all quarters with my mind, nor found I any dearer than myself. I visited everywhere and I did not find anyone more dear to me than me. Self is likewise to every other dear. This is weird poetry. Who loves himself will never harm another. So it's the same for everyone. Just as I hold myself dear, everyone else holds themselves just as dear. And who loves himself 
when you see that you will never harm another because you have this this kindness and compassion for yourself and the more you have that kindness and compassion for you then you have that kindness and compassion for others once you develop that then it's much harder to bring those you know the hatred and the and the and the, the demeaning qualities to others the dismiss it's much harder to be dismissive of others when you recognize their humanity when you begin to dismantle these things that keep you separate gesundheit the things that keep you separate from that and you are willing to see the false narrative and a lot of these false narratives are just to keep people in power you know the the follow the money follow the money that's always a good one you'll find out oh it's over there it's not here you know it's never i'm not i'm never it never lands with me i tell you that and i'm sure it doesn't land with anyone in this room either follow the money so that's that's the the gist of this teaching is we recognize our shared humanity and we hold each other dear that's why we cultivate these qualities let him reflect upon the saw with other figures of such kind and strive and strive repeatedly to leave resentment far behind to repay angry men in kind is worse than to be angry first repay not angry men in kind and win a battle hard to win win so mindfully maintain your peace there's even a sutta that talks about even if you're attacked by robbers and they hack off your hand, hand arms and legs don't don't get angry at them that's incredibly challenging i must admit i've never had that experience but uh you know but that's what that's what he's offering because as soon as you have that anger as soon as it takes over you're now you've now succumbed to um aversion and you're now putting a separation okay it doesn't mean you don't work to end the wrong since so i'm going to i say this again and again, i say this all the time it doesn't mean you don't work to end injustice it doesn't mean you don't work to end oppression just because you don't you just don't pick up the anger you just don't carry that around with you it serves as a springboard a lot of times and people have a lot of anger and it makes a lot of sense but you want to not have it be your place of operation because it's not helpful to carry that internally cuz the other person's not getting any of that you're experiencing the discomfort from it so those are those are my couple of thoughts about this um there's some other stuff i was reading in here and one of the words about being entangled and it talks about unentangling ourselves from all of these different these threads it's like untangling you ever have one of those um a chain like a a delicate chain that gets tangled it's like you're almost ready to throw it away you know but it's like ugh. but that's what this is like it's so interwoven that our our greed and our hatreds and our fears and our and our ignorance and our stories and our fixed ideas and 
We don't see the water we're swimming in, but the Buddha says continual cultivation of mindfulness, continual cultivation and willingness to see what's true is what you need to do. I was I was walking, I went for a walk with a friend of mine today. We're doing a we're teaching a workshop on Sunday. And so we were talking about that, but we were also talking about the continual uncovering of where we're stuck in things. And she's like, I'm 47 years old, and why am I still doing this? And I'm like, I'm 64, I'm still doing it. You know, it's because I'm not dead yet. And the Buddha lived countless lives before he was born a Siddhartha Gautama to, um, um, you know, take birth as the awakened Buddha. So it's, that's just a way to say that, yeah, it takes a while because we're so enmeshed and the thought patterns are so, so strong and so thick that it's difficult to see. So that's, what the, that's why the invitation is to just be gentle with yourselves, be forgiving with yourselves, be compassionate with yourselves, but continue to do the work. Continue to do the work. So that's what I got. Any questions or comments about this? Yeah. What is this book? This book is the Vasudhimaga, which is a compilation of the Buddhist doctrine and meditation. It's like a, a really, this guy who lived a few hundred years after the Buddha, Buddha Gosa, put this together. Um, it's the systematic outlining of the Buddhist teachings. It's not something you just pick up and read, but it's got a lot of good stuff in there. This is what this is where the the heart practices are really outlined in full, and where it talks about the heart practices, especially meta, is the ta is the solvent that dissolves the toxins that we carry. Loving kindness practice is the is a solvent that that um, diminishes the toxins. Yeah. You're talking about not being a doormat when you take on these qualities. And, um, I think it's, it's sometimes possible not only are you protected, but you might even have some influence on those around you so they don't have to be as protected. Yeah. It's possible. You know, I, um, I watched this man who's been doing this civil rights work, nonviolence work for since the 50s. I mean, he worked with Martin Luther King. He trained these people in the, in, in the 60s for the, the free, he was part of the Freedom Riders. I mean, all of this stuff. And he is still in his 90s. And I just watched the power he has. You watch some of these people who've been doing this work. John Lewis, the representative from, you look at this man and he is righteous, not self-righteous. But he's got this power, and he, that, that power that comes from that integrity and living this way. You know? Hmm? It's not anger. It's not coming from anger. No, absolutely not. Anger doesn't serve. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I, I have, I challenge, I'm getting challenged too because it's so easy to fall in with it and especially if you're in a, in a conversation with someone who has different points of view than you do it's like they get you know the the the, the it starts getting amped up and it's easy in fact one of the other things they were talking about this retreat was nonviolent communication and and to and this is this was so good because i can 
go like that. Somebody can just trigger me in in an instant. And I'm just like, oh! I mean, I'm like, all this Buddhist training is like out the window. I mean, in, in a heartbeat. It's like, wow, it's interesting to see that. But it's like, instead of trying to push my point of view, it's like, maybe I can listen. And then that kind of diffuses, not that it's, it's anywhere that needs to be diffused, but it'll take it from, you know, treating another person like a human being rather than someone that needs to be beaten into uh, understanding and submission, <laughs> which is where I usually come from with people who I think are fucking insane. <laughs> Their points of view are like lunacy um, to try and, okay, how do I do, how do I maintain, how do I maintain? Yeah, just all these interactions with it's to watch ourselves how we fall into these different cat. It's like um, gossip. It's so because then you're part of, and we want to be part of. It's so easy to fall into that. Yeah, it's like so seductive. It's very seductive. It's very seductive. Yeah, so that this person sounds like it's seductive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like so seductive to like talk shit back. Oh yeah, but but it, it, and, it, and I guess like one thing that comes from a place like playfulness, but but it doesn't like comes from a place of like hurt. There's that edge, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you. Anybody else?